Hello, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary individuals, and anybody else who decides to identify as anything else. I'm Coco Dove. And I'm Audrey. And I'm Kat. And we are the Tea Girls. The Tea Girls. Get into it. Get into it. Hello, Audrey. Hello, Coco. Hey, girl. Y'all ready for today's episode? I am beyond excited. I well, bet good, because we're talking all about you. This is your episode. You, Audrey. Last week, Kat was the victim. Now we get to interrogate you. And I was a victim. Yeah, <laughs> that was my bad. It was hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, today it's going to be nice and soft and we're going to be very gentle with you audrey okay (laughs) but yeah so um we will go ahead and dive into the the secret life of audrey exposing the conspiracies girl it ain't no secret it ain't a secret so i do have a question um and we can kind of dive into more like the base question well no we'll start in the base questions so tell us about you what who are you how long have you been transitioning oh god i have been trained i've been married for four years so i've been transitioning for about four years and six months it's been i think 2018 is when i started it was either 2018 or 2017 i started the december 1st i remember that Mm -hmm. exactly whenever i started transitioning but yeah it's been about three to four years it's funny how the date sticks with you how like random <laughs> almost random every date. trans woman remembers like their new birthday <laughs> i don't know when i started <laughs> at all i knew I the was month. just like whoop i got my pills i'm good I yeah i knew the month but i don't remember the day to the to the dot i recorded a video the first time i took the pills and that video is said on youtube so yeah, mine I is did. too. <laughs> I guess I could just go check it. <laughs> I did. That's not. how I remember. Work, Audrey. Well, since you've been transitioning for a good amount of time now, do you remember when you were younger? When was your first time you realized that you were different? Like you knew that you were in the wrong body, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, so with growing up, I had uh a bunch of neighbors growing up in a cul-de-sac and I just I never fat fat I never fat in I never fitted in with the males that I grew up with you know unless they were like the gamer you know anime video gameplay but people were like playing basketball on the street that just wasn't me I didn't feel right I had this one neighbor her name was Morgan and anytime I went over to their house I was always with her we were in her room doing stuff playing with makeup playing with clothes and I kind of I felt it then that I wasn't no- what you would consider a normal male child. And yeah, I felt like normal. Yeah, I felt like something was off and that it, I wasn't right. Um, and for like the longest time growing up, I thought that thing that was missing, because I describe how it felt is like a puzzle was done, but this one piece was missing and I couldn't find that piece. And when I was a kid, I thought that piece was being a homosexual. You know, because I was attracted to men. I was like, so once I start dating a man, you know, I'll feel complete. That piece of puzzle will be in. And I'll be like, yeah. Hey. 
And then that actually started. I started dating guys and then I was like, okay, I got into what would be a serious relationship somewhat. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm still feeling odd. You know, I don't feel something's still missing. Yeah. It's missing. And then it kind of clicked, but it's funny that it clicked later on in life when I was about 20, 21, because looking back, I was always <laughs> in middle school wearing makeup, getting on Omegle, trying to impress a bunch of random men on Omegle, which now right. looking back as an adult, I'm like, oh, girl, cringe. How? Like, how did you? <laughs> and you know, we've, I, we've all had that cringe shake, <laughs> And then stealing my mother's makeup and just going to that and looking back, like, okay, yeah, there was a numerous of signs, but you know, I never actually acknowledged. I thought it would, and it is, it is now to me normal, but then it was normal, but I didn't think it was weird because I thought maybe every 10 year old went through that, you know, every, Mm. I thought it was normal yeah, as it should normal. Even though it wasn't that long ago, essentially when we started transitioning and stuff like that it was still a completely different time in the world for trans people so I know it was freaking terrifying I never I it the first trans person that I heard the word trans for was Gigi Gorgeous and I was in high school when I finally figured Mm -hmm. out what a transgender person was and it took that long for you know it to be in the public and I was like okay it makes sense it makes you learn that word you learn that yeah. word and you're like, that's it. Yep. That exactly. Okay. Watching Gigi, because Gigi, I was following Gigi before she was Gigi. And I remember there was a video and I just, I connected. I was like, okay, that's me. That's what I want to be like. And the Gigi was doing makeup one day and was just like saying, I'm not transgendered. I'm not transgendered. I won't forget that video. And I yeah. was like, well, what is she talking about? And then she said she felt comfortable, yada, yada. And then like, what? Six months later, she was transitioning. We all deny it in the beginning. I think we did. Mm-hmm. Well, we yeah. all did. I think, yeah, I mean, that's a topic for another day. But there mm-hmm. are some people who still are very much like, no, I'm not trans. I am, you know, a girl or whatever the case may be. So I think that's something that's an interesting concept. But Self brainwashing is mm-hmm. definitely a big part in the trans community. Most so, definitely. Um, a question that I have for you, um, how long would you say it took you to actually get your hormones to get your first appointment? Cause I know for me, I kept putting it off for a long time cause I was scared. So did you, like jump right in or did you take your time? Or? I didn't jump right in actually. Um, I had my appointment. It was probably when I first started doing drag. me and my best friend moved into this little apartment and that's when I started and she knew she knew before we lived together because I told her mother was the first person I told because I wanted to do a mock trial of what it would be like to tell my mom although, although her mom's a lesbian so I don't know why I expected not her. a lesbian <laughs> but well she's bisexual she's with me now but anyways um we moved together to this apartment I was starting to like slowly you know wear females clothes wearing makeup often and I was like, okay, I'm making an appointment with the Equality Clinic. I made an appointment. They had a wait list of like four months. And by the month that it came up, uh, me and my friend were going through a lot of stuff. And I realized that I was about to move back home. And I knew I could not transition underneath my parents' household. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go to the appointment. I moved back home for like four or five more months. And then I started dating this guy 
and me and this guy uh, broke up and I became his roommate and I started transitioning then. But it took me until the day after, the day before my hormone appointment to tell everybody. And so it seemed to a lot of people like my parents and my uh, siblings, it seemed rushed because one day I said, this is this. And the next day I'm starting pills. And they were like, well, give yourself time. I'm like, well, I've had time. Trust me. I've had a lot of time with this. It's just, it took mm-hmm. me time to tell you. Mm-hmm. I remember when you came out too, I, we were all like, duh. <laughs> the whole group was like, yeah, we know, girl. We was waiting. <laughs> so since you did grow up in a hillbilly slash redneck dominated population how do you think transitioning in that area has affected you like explain your experience transitioning in a bible belt town um and i'll I'll tell you about that and i'll tell you about living in florida how it's affected me here but living in the bible belt it makes you always look over your shoulder and that's mm-hmm. what I felt like. I felt like everyone, because you get judged a lot in the South. People don't understand that. And people are like, oh, no, people aren't judging you. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> These MFers are judging me. Okay. They just don't say it out loud. They ain't saying it to your face. That's the thing about Southern women. They will Bless look your at heart you. is not a compliment. Girl, no. Southern hospitality is just being quiet until you get in the house. Right. So I would go out in public and everyone's like, you're just being paranoid. I'm like, no, these people are looking at me. And so it caused me to have very thick skin. And then having you where we lived at the time was a very red area. So it was Republican. So I've always had to make sure that I was safe because I don't know how these people were going to react. Take for granted, nothing ever actually happened to me in the South. I only had one incident in Augusta, Georgia, where uh, the person didn't agree with me being trans and it caused a whole incident, but that was it, but it's caused me to have tough skin and it made me, it has made me realize what I need to pay attention for in my surroundings. Amen, bitch. And then moving here, I don't have that worry in Orlando, you know, cause it's a big blue city. You know, when I go to Walmart, no one really worries. No one's looking at me. But when I recently visited Augusta, Georgia and I walked into Walmart, I felt the instant change. And I was like, oh my God, I yeah, forgot it's, what it's like. It's wild. I went to Walmart earlier, girl, going anywhere in Augusta. You have to make sure you're packing something because mm-hmm. the eyeballs are always on you. You're always a target. Most definitely. Yeah. Totes relatable. That's yeah, that's 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 terrifying. At least basically for, you know, North Carolina, it's pretty much a red state. And then there's just one little tiny blue dot. And that is where I'm at is the one. Little Asheville. That is I know. <laughs> I miss Asheville so much. Audrey, you need to go to Asheville. Mm-hmm. One day soon. I'm ready to start getting out often. Uh, often? She's often. trying to get out. <laughs> so, Audrey, what do you think was the most difficult part about starting your transition? The most difficult thing, and people probably will not agree with me, not agree with me, but say, no, that doesn't sound like the hardest thing. It wasn't going through the hormonal effects. It wasn't the change. It was the name change. Mm. And that is because my dead name was given to me from an uncle who passed away at a very young age. So I was named after somebody. And, you know, I tried my best 
to make that name work because it was somewhat of a gender neutral name, but it, it followed me. And I was just like, oh my God, I got to let it go. But I'm also basically telling, in my mind, I'm telling my dad, fuck you, brother. Oh, I want this new name. And I was like, I don't want it to come off like that. You know, I want it. I don't want to be that person. I want to at least honor this person in some way. Yeah. But the name change was the difficult. And it took a while too. Once you change your name, it takes just a little bit in the mind to get used to hearing that name. Now, whereas when someone says my dead name, I'm like, who's that? And I'm like, oh God, okay, you're trying to get my attention. Sorry. No, that's not what we're going to call me. But so it was the name change that took a little bit. Did you ever have a point? Um, Cause I did. Did you ever have a point where changing your name kind of felt like shedding an old skin? Like just kind yes. of like letting it all go? I, for the longest time, I was trying to understand why I wasn't fully done, fully transitioned to where I wanted yeah. to be sort of. I'm saying it's not fully transitioned. I don't think anyone's going to be fully transitioned. I hate that term. But I think I just, this is a level of acceptance for yourself. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm, I can't let go of the past. I have to let go and move on because that's what I wanted. I wanted to move on to who I wanted to be. So I felt like it was difficult, but I felt like it was needed. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I wouldn't shake that off as an easy mm-hmm. part of the transition. Girl, I'm still going through the name change thing. And it is, oh God, it's so annoying. Well, yeah, I haven't even changed my name. The only thing I've done legally is my sex. So yeah, yeah I haven't done either. So girl, it is insane same doing this stuff in South Carolina girl well regarding your name change you know I know it was difficult but you had to be really proud when you picked out that name so going off of being proud and all that jazz what is your proudest moment of transitioning uh my proudest moment oh my god you gotta have one girl what moment during your transition made you like girl I just did that this is me you know what? This is going to sound corny as hell, but it was getting married. Oh, being so able to make, you know, I was able to go down in a white dress. I was able to have my wedding sort of the way I wanted it. So that was a very moment I was like, wow, I actually, which you can hear Robert in the back laughing playing video games, but <laughs> I was just like, wow, that's. I'm so glad that I didn't get married early on because then I wouldn't have had what well, probably would have redone it but still I didn't get to have what had the experience so yeah that's not that a luxury one of my, for a lot of us one of my proudest moments and I didn't let in that part of my transition I would let what people say like my parents affect me so me and Robert got married or my brother got married and at their wedding there was this whole controversy of me wearing a dress mm-hmm. whole thing and so I wore like a ginger neutral black shirt and some khakis 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 and it ate robert up and my sister-in-law who i love the death who supports me was it was mainly we were looking out for certain people yeah and she didn't want me to feel like a target but she she just wanted me to come to the wedding whatever you do do it's you and my mom got that way because i was like fuck it i'm not coming then you know so Mm -hmm. being able to finally like not push into the people peer pressuring me into being a certain way and finally yeah. like, fuck you this is my wedding it was I was very proud of that 
I think tiptoeing around other people's feelings as trans people can be a really bad habit for a lot of us because we don't want anybody else to feel inconvenienced by us or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most powerful things we can do is be selfish because we weren't allowed to be for Mm -hmm. basically our entire lives. So being selfish, when you get to love yourself in that moment and be who you are, girl, that feeling, (laughs) it's just goosebumps all over the place. And your wedding, I loved your wedding. I thought it was perfect. Obviously, I didn't see all the stuff that went on in the background because everybody has things that they would want to critique or whatever. But I had a blast at your wedding. It was great. And you were beautiful and I cried. (laughs) So I love that you said that for your answer. It was great. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things too about that is I think it gets, I think it's kind of sad that as trans people, I mean, this happens in, you know, the gay community as well, but I feel like as, as, as trans people specifically, it's sad when you have to essentially hide your truth for someone's greater convenience. And I kind of feel like that happens. And I feel like it's, it's hard to get to the point where you're like, no, this is who I am and this is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it gets, you know, and, and like you said, I think that's that moment where it's like, I can't even say it's being selfish. I think that's just almost like a, a breaking point that you have to have. Yeah. And, and, you know. Well, I didn't it, mean selfish in a bad no, term. No, 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 no. I know you didn't. No, I know you didn't. I mean, it as like, like self-love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just t- like, you know, touching I get what you're saying, though. Saying. And yeah, I think I that's something because I had a problem with that. And I still sometimes do like even at my own family Thanksgivings, there's like a is this going to be awkward because I'm here? And it's like, it, yeah, why? <laughs> and I want any young trans person listening. If you're out there, one of the most important things any elder trans person has ever told me, this is like two, two and a half years before I started my transition. She sat me down and she said, you deserve to be selfish. That's mm-hmm. why I say that so much. She said, this is time for you. This is your life. And you can't depend on anybody but yourself, girl. So be right. selfish. Don't right. worry about nobody else's feelings. You know, and that's that's a good thing to especially, because I think, especially us in the trans community, we do tend to, uh, like Kat said, it was, tend to others before we tend to ourselves. Yeah. But I recently was in a like therapist session. I don't remember what brought it up. But, and I was saying, oh, well, I don't want to do this because I don't want to, you know, hurt other people. And she was like, think of life as you are the only person that matters. She goes, and then you're going to be fine. She's like, you have to make sure your others are fine, but you are the only person that matters. And if you can take care of yourself, you're going to help others while you're helping them. Can so. I get an amen? Um, yeah. Well, I do have a question, especially because I wasn't, <laughs> I was a listener for the relationship episode. Um, <gasps> what is it? What was it? I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Okay, well, okay, here we are. Um, what's it like being in a military relationship, being a trans woman? Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's something I was curious about when we all did the relationship. So in the military, um, was whenever I started meeting the most accepting people. Um, the military actually, which surprises a lot of trans people, was very forward open-minded thinking in their healthcare for trans people. So it was beautiful. It was easy for me to get on hormones. It was so fast. Uh, even the, so my first uh, hormone doctor with the military when he was in the military was uh, 
on board. He came up with this plan for me to transition, everything I needed to get done, the medications we were going to try. He was well-educated. Come on, um, military. So that was perfect. The only issue I came with military, and I the story kills me because it it's bittersweet. So when we first got married, Robert got orders to go to uh, South Korea. Oh, and yeah. I was so excited because we were going to go, we were supposed to go together. And in the military, if your spouse has a uh, medical need, so I needed hormones, you have to fill out this paperwork for them to go with you to make sure their medical care will follow. And I did the paperwork and the initial paperwork, they put in that I was going to therapy, which I wasn't anymore. So when we submitted the paperwork to the station in Korea, or sorry, how it works is the doctor at Fort Gordon said, sure, we'll send it. It went to a doctor at Fort Hood, Texas, ironically, who says, yeah, we have that there, they can go. And then we got the yes or no. So the first time it got denied because I was going to therapy in the past and they were saying I was going to therapy uh, recently and I wasn't. So then I had to wait six months to put in for reconsideration. And I had my hormone doctor write a letter saying I didn't need therapy. I went to the therapist and saw, she said, I didn't need therapy. And I had uh, my primary doctor also write one and it came back. Uh, the doctor in Fort Hood said that it was in his personal professional opinion that based off of my uh, mental disorder, he was referring to me as being trans, um, that I not go to South Korea. So that was the only time I've ever experienced any kind of like transphobic people in the military. And it very shocked me. It shocked me a lot that that actually came from the military because they're actually, you know, like-minded and forward, so. Yeah, I remember you were really excited. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, I guess we got to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Afterwards. She didn't have anything to do because her, her hubby was gone. It was like a year, wasn't it? It was a year. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could not imagine being away from August for a year. I would go fucking crazy. Yeah, it would be hard. But for the record, the, the cake was a stab at you. Say that again. I'm sorry. Hold cake. On. The cake was a, was a jab at you because you uh, we went to the gym and then you ate cake oh. out of the box, right? <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? We can talk about that during my episode. <laughs> Let's not drag me on Andre's episode. <laughs> If you want to hear more about that cake story, tune in next week. <laughs> Where were we? All right. So remember. we talked about relationship for a little bit. And I believe, Coco, you said you had one more question. Was that relationship or what should we dive into a new topic? Um, I'm not going to lie to you right now. Um, I ate a piece of chocolate and I forgot what I was going to ask. So if you have a question, now would be a great time to, you know, just interject. So we talked about um, on my episode, uh, characters in cartoons or basically anything from our childhood that we looked up to um, or aspired to be. Uh, did you have any specific specific characters that helped you in becoming you so <sighs> this is gonna sound weird because i was that kid i watched cartoons but i didn't watch much cartoons i was watching like sitcoms mm -hmm. 
and one person I already that know. just I don't think you know this. Nope. Okay, cool. One person that just stood out as no other, and I was like, oh my god, like, not that dumb bitch from Friends. Oh no, 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 no. Okay, no, no. It was Fran Jesser from The Nanny. And just the way that she carried herself, I was that just like, though. I was like, this is, that's one, like, I just loved seeing, I was like, she, she doesn't care. She is gorgeous. She too. was hilarious, you know, and she looked good while doing it. Fashion icon, girl. Uh-huh. And she did. And like the whole thing was she had, has this nasal, that nasally voice everyone hates, but it's like, why do you, why do you care? You know, it's my voice. What are you going to change about it? So. I don't know. I, I'm very much that. Um, Cartoon-wise and like everything, there was not really many people that stood out because I always saw cartoons as, well, late 90s cartoons as gender neutral. The more you look at it, and I feel like that's what they were raising with us because we had like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends because like only one person, two people on that TV show technically had a gender and the rest of them were imaginary, and then you had like uh, Camp Laszlo. Oh, I missed that what show. That was. I forgot all about that. Um, so, I mean, I watched them, but it was mainly like sitcoms, like Friends and uh, The Nanny and freaking George Lopez <laughs> that <laughs> built me become the person and adult that I am. George ironically. Lopez helped you be who you are today. <laughs> hey, <bro>. hey, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> You can't tell me you never woke up at 3 a.m. to the sound of Low Rider playing on your TV. No, no you got me. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have a memory of that dang, uh, them jumping up in the air. <laughs> Work. <laughs> oh, Lord. So I know where you got your first name from, essentially, who inspired mm-hmm. that. I know you have an obsession with Audrey Hepburn. She's you not in your a, background today. Girl, she's got a huge cardboard cutout, and she just mm-hmm. came to my house a couple weeks ago, and she took home a big, beautiful big portrait. Yes, that I got to put up. What started your obsession with Audrey Hepburn? So, no one kill me, okay? No one. Oh, Lord. So, I didn't start liking Audrey Hepburn until I met a dear friend in high school. And she, her parents had this movie room where they had a flat screen TV and chairs and everything. And going into the movie room, they had a poster for breakfast at Tiffany's. And I was like, that woman is gorgeous. She's just gorgeous. And that started my fixation with her, but I didn't watch the movie. I would just pictures of this woman, you know, she was so beautiful. I was like, she just looks so elegant. And then I started actually watching a few movies and watching like interviews. And I was like, oh my God. This is, she was such a beautiful person inside and out. And it just stuck with me. I didn't, it, do I think she was a great actress? Yes, sure. But I think she was also a great humanitarian. And I wasn't going, <laughs> well, it was. Um, but the plan with the name Audrey, I was going to name my first daughter Audrey. Because I've always said that Audrey is a name that you can fall in love with. And so I got really selfish when I was trained because it was either going to be Audrey or Rachel. And I'm I was so like, glad you didn't pick Rachel. <laughs> I was like, I know which one I'm choosing. So I'm going to talk to you out of that shit real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. That would have been home. Could you imagine just for a second? 
I would have decked you in your forehead, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I I can relate with your Audrey Hepburn obsession though, because I remember the first time I saw a picture of Audrey Hepburn, it was in my grandpa's movie room. And I, <laughs> he may have even had the same poster. He's got a poster of Audrey Hepburn, and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And when I say I had a fixation, my cardboard cutout I've had since 2015 or 16. An ex gave it to me. And we went to Charleston, South Carolina, which is about four hours from Georgia, maybe, maybe five. I don't remember. Three and a half, something like that. Three, something like that. Me and him drove up there. I parked in a parking garage and we just took the shuttle down and walked all the way back up, down whatever it's called, King Street, I think. And in one of these stores, they had the cardboard cutout, and I about died. I was like, I have to have it. <laughs> and then he was like, what, are you going to take it on the bus with us? Is it going to sit with us when we eat lunch? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, oh. So I didn't get it. And I was so heartbroken. You drove all the way back to get that cutout. No. So during Christmas, he gave it to me for a Christmas gift. Oh. And... Me and him, we didn't end on bad terms, but I don't really talk to the guy anymore. But I will never throw that thing away. Hey, you got what you needed out of that relationship. See, Marilyn was my Audrey. That was that was who I was blown away by. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, people are most either one or the other or both, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. And I mean, so many people don't, I wish there was a movie about Audrey because there was so much that she did that just doesn't get it talked about. Like she was a, she was a secret ballerina during uh, the Holocaust. Isn't that awesome? And basically took messages to people and she didn't want to be an actress. She wanted to do ballet, but she was told that she would not make it successful in ballet. And then she was too short, right? Wasn't that what it was? She was too short. And then after, you know, all her acting, she became a very advocate person for the war, like against the war and was helping children in need. It's just a very I love seeing celebrities who take their power and use it for the right things and not the wrong reasons. Give it time, though. She'll have a movie and I bet you it's going to be Anne Hathaway. Oh, I was about to say, who would you cast in her biopic? And that's actually, ah, that is a good one. Yeah, Yeah, I love Anne Hathaway. That would be so cool. Oh, I hope they do that. Let's give us a script. Let's write the script. I swear to God, if they make a biopic and Anne Hathaway plays Audrey Hepburn, I'm going to go crazy. I'm gonna call you up, cat, and be like, "Oh my god, I'm psychic." No, but that would—that's instantly who I would think of. That would be able to have the bone structure and the. The the eye the poise shape and the yeah, I mean they'll yeah. probably still pick Meryl Streep to do it, but nah, you know what? I'm still tired of Meryl Streep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I actually live for her. She's great. I do. That is not the role for her, <clears throat> girl. Um. So we talked about celebrities. Um. Were there any celebrities that you wish we would have talked about, or you? didn't think to mention as your favorite they can be singers they can be anybody was there anybody that was influential you, you know what about? we didn't talk about we may have said their name but i don't think we talked about them at all our celebrity if i can recall and that's lady gaga and i have always i won't forget whenever i think it was life magazine whenever she had the whole section or 
Life magazine was about her or Time magazine, whatever it was. And she had posters in there. I remember buying that magazine and like taking all, I think he got eight posters, putting them on my wall. I remember the first time I got to see Lady Gaga in concert. I don't know. She, she very much struck a chord with me, you know. And when it, she first came out, my mom was like, oh, when Bad Romance came out in that scene where she drops the robe and you see her butt, my mom was like, oh, that's why you like the video. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no mom, that's not why. That's not it why. Was the shoes. <laughs> I, think, I think Judas is still my favorite music video she's oh, ever done. Bad Romance, hands down. Oh. I, as soon as they came out of those coffin things, I was like, sold, I'm gay. look at you now but Audrey I am a little bit disappointed Kat just gave you the hook to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis oh my god and you did not talk about Jamie Lee Curtis we did not talk about her at all (laughs) when we yeah I was so obsessed but see okay this is gonna sound awful I'm not a if I had to choose my okay don't don't get mad you're not a fan of Jamie Lee Curtis I'm not the biggest Whoa. fan. Have you never you seen wanna, my girl? You, <laughs> you can't you see without who, his glasses. You want to know? You want to know who is one of my favorite actual like actresses? Oh yeah, Julie Andrews. Oh yeah, does. Okay, well, yeah. I want her yeah. to be my grandmother, so I could be the princess of Shinova, the princess Diaries. Whatever. Yeah, I could, uh, Anne Hathaway. You want to be Anne Hathaway? I want to be Anne Hathaway. <laughs> So, like, I mean, so what you're saying is Anne Hathaway should play you in your biopic. There you go. There you go. There you go. But no, like I, oh, she just has great qualities. And I don't know how she feels on the LGBT community, but I don't give a fuck. She could probably look at me and call she, me up. She likes this. She, she played a man on Broadway. Oh. Well, that's good. She did. She played several. <laughs> she actually was there. She did a musical where she played a woman pretending to be a man didn't she she did i think she did what is the name of that musical oh my god the woman behind the man is that the name of the musical for real you nope. shouldn't me <laughs> i don't know <laughs> oh i'm gonna feel so dumb when i hear the name of it because it's on like the tip of my tongue it's fun <laughs> i don't know it doesn't matter we're not here to talk about julie andrews we're here to talk about audrey mm-hmm. so audrey um, what's your favorite color tiffany blue Surprisingly, That's right, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't die. My don't microphone die. attacked me. My microphone's attack. Oh my god. Um, so, did you have any? Um, I know for me, I had a, a particular album that kind of like was super influential for me. But was there any musical albums that were out when you were growing up that you were just drawn to and listened to over and over and over and over? I have- Three answers. Because these were the only CDs I ever owned. And bitch, these CDs got played. She said CD. They were burned down, probably. First is Born This Way. I think every song on that disc got played a million times. Back to back to back. Um, (laughs) I don't remember the name of the albums for the next ones. But it was Kesha's first album. And there were so many songs on her first album. Uh, This is when TikTok was out. This is when it was that album. Dinosaur. I I think that was. I I think it was self-named. Yes. And then I'm going to look it up right now because I don't want to butcher it because she's had a few. But there was a few songs on this album that just stuck out for me. Kesha's one of those people that can do nothing wrong for me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
do 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 bear with me and uh, katie perry's uh teenage dream album it was mm-hmm. yeah I, look there was songs on those tracks and they just went through um Actually, I like that album. That was the last album she had that I was like, cute, Katy Perry. As soon as she yeah. came out with that dark horse shit, I was like, oh, downhill. There was just and a lot of animal. songs on there that were, oh, yeah. What did you say? Sorry? Animal was the album. Oh, yeah. Yes. I've got but a I just, where I do. Just not maybe when I come. Because at that time, those three people were like basically preaching, you know, to be different. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. for sure. And now as an older individual and I can look back and these three women were also going through a tough time at that time when I was going through a tough mm-hmm. time. So it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of like full circle in a sense. Makes me feel so much behind the scenes too. Like Kesha and her. Yeah. A lot of Kesha. Most definitely. Court case. I think it's Kesha. Kesha is my celebrity crush. She's so hot. That's your celebrity crush. Girl, Kesha could do whatever she wanted to me. Okay, okay. That is not my celebrity crush. I, I have a very I love her. celebrity crush. I know you do, bitch. I know who it is, I think. Who? Is it Damon Salvatore? No. No, oh, the other one. No. The other one. <laughs> Were they ever on Vampire Diaries? No. Okay, then I don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, Lord. Jesus. Now, uh, mine is um, Oliver Stark, who he's on 911, but he is a British actor. And, yep. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Um, no, your question is what is your favorite food, girl? Oh, God, that's hard. So, this is the hard? hardest question. That's hard. 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 Okay. Hard. Um, <laughs> I love food. I oh. love food. Okay. Oh, I love good answer. Good answer. Um, <laughs> I always, when people ask me, oh, what do you like? What's your favorite food? I do the vice versa. I'll tell you what I don't eat. Okay. okay. And there is only one thing in this world, and I will eat it, but I will hate every second of it, and that's spaghetti. I thought you was going to say ass. No. I. Th- <laughs> I feel like you're the worst autocorrect ever. <laughs> Did you mean ass? No, spaghetti. Damn. <laughs> Do you mean LOL or die? Oh, that was such a good line, though. Audrey, you gave that one to me. <laughs> I fucking can't with you. Don't edit that one out. That was a good one. No, that's going to stay right on here, but... <laughs> It's but yeah, I'm so happy I can turn on my golf because I was like scream laughing. It's so, <clears throat> so you don't even like you don't even like Eminem's mom spaghetti. Probably not. But there's a reason. So there's a reason why I don't like spaghetti. So when my mom used to work night shift, and my dad was watching us most of the time, that's all he knew how to cook at the time. Oh, I get that. So we had it every single night. Over and over. She's a quick and easy ragu and some noodles. But if you if you sat me down and said, Audrey, I'm making spaghetti tonight, I ain't gonna complain. I'll eat it. I'm just not gonna like it. I don't care what you do to it. Good to know. Yeah, I don't complain when I eat. And now if I cook it, I'm I'm not gonna cook it obviously, but I'd complain as hell because I cooked it. But yeah. If I cook it, I'm the same. But if I cook it, I put the sauce on the side, and then I just put like butter and garlic on my noodles, and I'm like, mm, butter. 
Or making me a lot of garlic bread. I've done that many a time. Yeah, I could totally do that. I can eat garlic bread all night, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your ideal date? If you could what is your perfect date situation? Um I like to go if I go on a date with someone, I like it to be something that neither of us have done. Oh, yeah, I love that too. Because I think it creates a good experience. <clears throat> yeah. Um adventure. You get to share that, yeah. Yeah, it's an adventure and then you can, you know, one person doesn't know what to expect, so no one has the upper hand. Yeah. You both are you don't compare it to, to anything, it, you know. And I think that whenever we go on dates and went out with people, I think you typically have that idea of, oh, I've done this with another person; they loved it, so you'll like it. And I'm, exactly, it's like when you, when a guy's like, "Here, buy this perfume. I've smelled it on somebody else before. It smells good, girl. Ooh. I don't smell like no other bitch." Because then you go think of somebody else. And who wants that? So I have two questions for you. <laughs> Um, the first one being trans, obviously cravings are life rolling at times. What is your most intense craving you've had? There's two and I have not had these cravings in a long time. I think it's something most trans women go through the beginning of their transition and that's pickles. And Mm, pickles. now I don't really crave pickles anymore. I crave pickles every five minutes. The beginning (laughs) of my transition. Oh my God. But now here's the weird one. Yes. (laughs) it's not being my autocorrect or autopredict did you mean to say ass I thought you did it (laughs) I didn't I did not (laughs) what was your second craving can I guess it can I try to guess it's be fun you said it was something weird right (laughs) it's something weird yeah it's actually really weird What's you get one guess. I get one guess. I'm trying to remember things that you ate. You... <gasps> Sonic. It... Hot dogs. It was hot dogs. <laughs> okay. you're, get, you're not far. No, it was hot you're dogs. Not... I remember every time we would leave okay. the gym, Audrey would go, I need a hot dog from Sonic. <laughs> so you're not wrong. Yes. I used bad. to eat... <laughs> I used to eat hot dogs a lot after the gym, but it wasn't that. Yes. <laughs> hot dogs. Oh. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh okay. it was mustard oh i was okay. craving a mustard it mustard on something i so needed it pickles that's actually funny because i craved mustard and a sausage bis- sausage biscuit mm. but now my food cravings just random food and if i don't eat it i will think about it every damn day until i get it mine's chocolate girl I used to never eat chocolate before I transitioned. I loathed chocolate. I hated it. It was too sweet. I didn't like sweet stuff. Now it's all I want is chocolate. Mine changed transitioning. I used to eat a lot of chocolate. Now transitioning, I'm like, mm, okay, cool. Yeah. It's there. You know, it's that's weird. My big go-to. Um, so my second question, and this is one that it got, it got me. I, I was, I was shook. Um, has there ever been a point in your transition where you've questioned it or you've wondered about? Ooh, that's a good one. Did you... Yeah, that one. Y'all caught me off guard. I was like, what? <laughs> um, mm. I would say there's been, in my transition, there's been, I mean, I think we all have, you know, our high moments and our low moments. And my low moments, I've had two low moments. One was recently, actually. And they both were caused by the same exact damn thing. 
Um, so before when we moved to Texas, I was doing the shot form of estrogen and I had to be moved to the pills. And there's like this weird window from going to the shot to the pills for like a month or two where it does not feel like it's working. You don't feel right. Mm -hmm. And you feel it it feels like you're detransitioning. Yeah. And so I was just like, when we moved, it just hurt my self-image for a little while. I was like, oh, my God, I don't feel comfortable. Um, And it messes with your mind. Your mind's like, what is this? This is what you want. And it's and it's just so much going on in that hormonal change. And it happened again. I was on the shot for a while here. And then uh, fun fact about me was I was trying to join the military last year. And that, yeah, that got shot. It didn't get shot down. It's just we have a lot going on. So we're taking care of that instead of trying that. So uh, in order for me to join the military, I had to be on the pills because you can't take uh, needles to basic training. So I got back on the pills so my body would get used to it. And I wouldn't go through that through basic training and then uh i'm about to hopefully i have an appointment in april to get back on the shot because that shot i'm gonna tell y'all what you both i believe are on the shot that bitch does wonders mm-hmm. oh yeah my breasts look great it so, does but when you if you're late or if you go off it for more than like two or three days you it's like a world like you just you feel oh, it yeah. the mood swings are insane yeah you feel it. And but I that is a sacrifice I'm willing to take. Good luck, everybody absolutely. else. Yeah, I just have welcome. to like I Robert used to do my shot for me, but he won't be home as often to do it. So I have to finally learn how to stab myself. So that's gonna be like a little bit of a learning curve for me because I can't do self-pain. I can I can give shots all day at work, but I can't do it to myself. So it's gonna take me a little bit, but I miss it. It works so fast, but I mean, it does take, and I don't know, I haven't done it since I've had, uh, no, I've had it since I've done insurance. Never mind. Let me shut up about that one. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I got to get my refill tomorrow. I keep forgetting to pick it up. Well, um, on a, because, you know, for those of you listening that you don't know, we're all three in different states. Um, For y'all, do y'all, I know for me, I got really lucky when I first started doing shots on my own. We had, it was required, we had to do three with a nurse before we could just go off and do it on our own. Mm-mm. Do y'all have that? Do y'all have like anybody to like walk through you or do they just literally go like, here you go. Um, they gave me so, my shit and they were like, good luck. Hmm. So I started the shot when uh, Robert was in the military and the uh, endocrinologist there made me sit down with his nurse and do it. But I told the nurse that I couldn't do it myself. So she was showed Robert how to give it. So, and we went home, we were fine. Um, Then when I moved to Florida and I started it again, the nurse practitioner was like, well, I told him, I was like, well, my husband's going to give it to me because I can't do it myself. And he was like, does he know how? And I was like, if not, I can show him. I do it on a daily basis. Um, So when I go this appointment, I'm going to look him in the eyes and be like, I need someone in this facility that's a patient educator to show me how to do the shot. Or I could honestly go back to, because, uh, Thursday is my last day at my job. I can get someone, a nurse practitioner at my old job to show me at that point. But well, yeah, for me, it was easier in the beginning than it is now. Now I struggle with it. And I think that's because scar tissue is real. Scar tissue. You can move sites. I mean, you don't have to always no. do it here, but it also yeah. depends on. I alternate legs. I know I could do it. You can also get your but... partner to do it too. I do it right in my ass. 
That's just where I have the most fat. <laughs> so it's <laughs> less. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, we're hitting 30 minutes on this lovely episode. And I'd Did have you to lose say, all the other ones? No, no, no. Okay. It downloaded. Let me see if it actually finished downloading. But, yeah, for those people who don't know, we had to jump up softwares there for a minute. But we are here and we are done. I want to appreciate y'all. Um, taking this time to talk about me. It's one of my most favorite topics some days. And wait, wait, ready for next week? It's going to be. It's all about me next week. <laughs> Y'all aren't ready. I love to talk about myself, even when I'm asking questions to Audrey about Audrey. <laughs> We're talking about myself the entire episode. So just wait till next week. Yeah, she can only answer the questions. And I'm going to come up with some random weird questions just for you. I got you. I have answers for everything, but probably not. It's going to be a lot of ums. <laughs> this is going to help me practice for question and answer. <laughs> Amen for that one. You'll it's get it. Have Audrey editing practice. Hmm. I'll have time too. Damn. Right. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. It's been a wonderful episode. And if this is your first episode, you need to go back to the very first and work your way back. But thank you so much for listening. And Coco, do you want to end us? Yes, thank you guys so much. And we all hope you have a fantastic day. <laughs>